0: Welcome to The Wag, presented by Sport Clips, the official podcast of the Canadian Football League.
1: Welcome to another edition and a very special edition of The Waggle podcast. It's brought to you by our friends here at Sport Clips, known for their Sport Clips MVP haircut experience, including some shampoos for you that scalp of yours, some hot steam towels, some sports on TV like football, hockey, baseball, and basketball. Oh, and the legendary haircuts. It's good to be a guy. It is very good. Very good indeed to be a sport clips guy. And normally during this time of year, it is June. That means it's pride month. Happy pride month to you, David Sanchez.
2: Happy pride month. It is June and it's, it's pride month and it's also uh, football month. But uh, one is not happening and one will be happening in a different capacity. I'm sure as we're still, working through this pandemic. Uh, so we'll celebrate, it'll be Pride Month with probably less less gatherings and uh, and parties just like everything else going on in the world.
1: Yeah, it'll be virtual pride. So uh, you don't necessarily need sport clips to get that pride haircut, but always know that you got an MVP experience. We are gonna have a MVP-like guest joining us later, Ryan Russell, NFL veteran, is going to talk to us about his experience now being a formal football player but being an out uh, athlete and how people can be allies Uh, but we do have actually some football to talk about Uh, we've got some conversations about the hub and the bubble what that might be like we've got some football operations salary recap information that people are talking about online and also if you've been online, you've seen Catch Madness as we break down what is the best, the most difficult, the most exciting catch week by week by week. Uh, what, what do you want to start with, Chez? We don't have football to talk about because we'd be talking about uh, second down convert
2: conversions, um, blitz pickups, um, stuff like that. Is Zach Calero still healthy? <laughs> Um, you know how many sacks does Willie have uh, do I need to keep on going no no we got it what reporter is Bo mad at right now and my favorite the golden oldie what kind of hat does Mike Riley have on this week um, let's go with the let's go with the hub city convo because that's the one I want to talk about because if there is a season it's gonna be hub city season and uh, so there was a interview uh, Brad Sinopoli was uh, on TSN 1200 in Ottawa, he was discussing the, you know, much talked about Hub City possibilities and, and, you know, and this is, he went and discussed the concerns and obviously he's excited about the possibility of of there being a season, but then also uh, the troubling, or or at least the the difficult situations that may come up uh, with with the Hub. And so this is something that we've kind of been thinking about as a, you know, as an ex-player, could you do it? And the one thing that, um, is coming up is you talk about it in the MLB or more more in the NBA right now with the madness in, in baseball but you talk about the MLB or in NBA and it's something that they're likely going to be able to pull off um, but one thing Brad Sinopoli mentioned is that when you're uh, looking at a six or ten million dollars you know some guy's making 25 million dollars you can you can do months without Uh, Seeing the family because that's life-changing money that will help your family forever Now if you're talking about some of the salaries that we're dealing with are players going to be able to go three four months without seeing their families and is that actually part of um, uh, How this hub will play out which if that's the reason for a hub Uh, So yeah, that's basically what what uh, the biggest thing that I'm thinking about is how how is that gonna play out and um, DJ I know for me, I, I would it's I would definitely want to play and I would uh you know but during my time I did not have kids so it would be a different scenario what was your take on on a hub and and uh is this something that you think is doable is it something that you would want to do and what would be the what would be the factors because it's going to be money versus money and time will be the two biggest things for me how long do I have to be gone for and how much am I going to make and making that sacrifice
1: is that's that's the bottom line for me yeah I mean we know we're not uh... Playing a, a full season, so you're not looking at you know 18 games in a, in a hub, maybe it's anywhere from eight to 10 plus playoffs if you have the pleasure to play. So, you know, a couple months. Uh, it, so Sinopoli actually is, is one a great spokesperson on this because he's connected across the league, uh, he's been a, a, a rep before in terms of dealing with the PA, and he, his real life is impacted because he is the proud father of a child not too long ago Um, he and his wife Laura gave birth to their son James at the end of March so literally he is understanding the sacrifice that a player has to make and when you say well listen Americans make a similar sacrifice all the time to come and play in Canada well no that's not the exact same thing because their families can come up literally whenever they feel like it players go back home on bye week so it's not the exact same thing. We'll see what the actual hub scenario if it gets to that looks like because all hubs or bubbles aren't created equal the nba is looking at a scenario where there are multiple levels of clearance in terms of how you move through in spaces so it's not as locked down as maybe the scenarios that you've heard in the MLB or even the NHL, which is looking to have a very strict policy to start. And then, as teams start to be eliminated from the playoffs, people can start to move into the, the bubble, people in terms of family and friends. So, lots to lots to worry about. I, I do think ultimately that if Brad Sinopoli is saying this, that he is not alone, that he's speaking for a certain amount of players, whether that's a majority we're not sure but but i do also think that it's not going to be clean it's not going to be perfect and that you can't bend the coronavirus to fit into our normal football lives we're going to have to all bend our football lives to fit in what is still a live ongoing global pandemic yeah and it's you know at least
2: we're discussing uh, i mean it's going to get to the point at some time at some time that uh, you know announcement will be made that They're either moving forward and and there is a season or or the season is is uh canceled but look forward to 2021 but uh you know as long as there's still some conversation some glimmer of hope and some scenarios being discussed uh it's good with me because i as time goes on i uh, i find myself just just hanging on to to hope And, and and so when i hear these stories uh you know yes there's going to be some different problems that are gonna I'll rise, but uh, at least least we're talking.
1: Uh, Let's talk to uh, Russ, who was a defensive end in the NFL and came out of Purdue originally from Texas at a Creekview high school. But more importantly, I think the impact that he is and will have away from football, given the platform that he was a footballer, player is going to be far greater than what he did on the field he's talking about what it's like to be a closeted athlete in in part of the lgbtq plus community he's talking about really how people can help that community no matter where they are in our society and he's about to talk to us about it right now on the (music) wagon I'm excited to bring our next guest into the conversation uh, because um, he's able to, to speak to issues and enlighten um, that needs to be a broader conversation and even language that we need to use more and more often. Russ, thank you so much for joining the, the conversation. And first and foremost, our, our lives are all different right now in this year, in this time, in this moment. And I just wonder for you, Pride, which people consider always a celebration, now that we're not getting together in, in the same way, what is Pride going to be like for you in 2020? Is it going to be virtual?
0: First of all, thank you for having me. I'm, I'm glad to be on here and join the conversation. And this is my um, first Pride since coming out back in August. And Pride will be for me, it'll be virtual, it'll be intimate, and and very much about just love, whether it be with my family or friends or, or my boyfriend. Um, But Pride is also and has also been about standing up for um, the voices of smaller groups or marginalized groups or oppressed groups. It's always been about um, bringing each other up, about loving each other, and about fighting for each other. I think this year it's no different with everything going on in the media and in the world and and with the Black Lives Matter movement and all the crazy things that we've seen. I think pride has kind of gone back to its original roots, which would be, like I said, fighting for those um, who have been oppressed, who have been hurt and who might not often be heard or be um, invited to the table or to the, the broader conversation. So um, pride for me this year will very much reflect that. I love that
1: you mentioned that because when people think of Pride now, they think of brands being on board and they think of the celebration and the party. But Pride originally was a protest and it was originally a movement by, you know, the the black trans community. And, and now that you see the convergence of both a race revolution and black lives starting to hopefully matter and obviously selling celebrating Pride for the month. Are there similarities there that that marginalized groups can, you know, be allies for each other because their struggles might not be as unique as you might think?
0: There's definitely um, just a connective force about it. I believe that you cannot successfully defeat or combat homophobia without combating racism. Um, you cannot combat misogyny without combating both of those things as well. And all of these things tie together. If I'm a young black queer, man and say homophobia, we erase homophobia, I will still be subject to racism. Therefore, we are not all equal. Um, equality is is about all of us, you know, and it hurts no one. It doesn't hurt anyone for all of us to be equal and all of us to be loved and all of us to be accepted. Um, so I definitely see someone who lives in these intersectionalities of color and, sex- and sexuality. Um, I see the overall picture maybe clearer than other people do, or just because I- I'm living it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, those... These things are are so connected. I, I think people don't understand when we win the battle for a group of people, a marginalized or oppressed or smaller group of people, um, we win the battle for the larger goal and for humanity in in and of itself.
2: Uh, yeah, Russ. What is your take on athletes and in, in social media using their platforms for social issues? This has been you know the the month of that. So what's your what's your take on that?
0: I love it. I think so much of sports culture, especially here in America, is um, is Black people and Black culture and, and people of color, um, I believe that a lot of sports culture is in turn Black culture, uh, especially with the NFL and being as diverse and as as Black as it is. Um, So to see those two kind of meet and mesh and to see we've made such great progress in, in sports and in the world of sports in terms of equality and inclusion for Black people, so, so to see these athletes take a stand for inclusion for queer people and and the continued protection and prioritization of Black people and Black lives, I think is beautiful and really just a natural progression. I I, I believe that sports has no choice but to move in that way. I, I that's what I truly believe in my heart. Um, and just also, you know, as we know, sports is about teams and coming together and overcoming um, as a unit, regardless of where you come from or what you look like. So I. Uh, to see that athletes continue to do that off of the field and in society I think is is beautiful and just the natural move.
2: You mentioned uh, the black athlete in the in the locker room it, you know you you just came out recently would you think it'd be a, a different experience uh, obviously coming out is a, a difficult experience any locker room or uh, sense uh, but especially for a a uh, black athlete. You think there's a difference between the black athlete and the white athlete currently and uh, the the challenges they may face in coming out
0: culturally? Definitely. I believe and and it goes even deeper than black and white or or sexuality. We're all different people with different experiences. You know, I we all of course also leave the locker room and go home to different homes and have different families and different looking families, different places, um even religions. So, I mean, there, there's always gonna be some some differences um, between athletes and between players. I think the beauty of sports is to see all those differences, accept them, love them, and be like, hey, but at the end of the day, we're both humans. We're both on the same team. We're both fighting for the same things. Like, that's, that's the love, you know, that's the connection, the bond. And it puts you in, in, a, in a position where you can learn and be around people you would have never been around. I wouldn't have met half of the people, the different type of people that I know now, if I had not been in a locker room. And I've grown so much because of those experiences.
1: What would your experience have been if you came out while you were playing? Have you thought about it?
0: Uh, a little bit. And I try not to dwell on it long because there was a reason that I came out when I did. Um, but I, I believe, of course, I would have just been able to breathe a little easier um, to focus on solely on football instead of kind of going through this this self-discovery that I was going through and self-realization and it would have allowed people to to be there for me in in ways that i did not allow them before you know when you always have your guard up you feel like you're protecting yourself but you're really isolating yourself um in in a team is not a place to isolate yourself it's it's the opposite (laughs) place to do that um so yeah i I think about in a sense of that way but i also think about in a sense of okay so what can i do for future lgbtq athletes um, to get them to that point, so they can have that experience inside of a locker room and they can feel that love and that acceptance and that, that brotherhood or that sisterhood um, that they deserve. So so when I think of it now, I think of it more in that context. Okay, what would a young LGBTQ or queer athlete um, need or, or need to hear or see, or how they need to feel about themselves so that they can enter that environment and gain that all of the amazing, great things that sports has to offer?
1: We're talking a lot right now in this current conversation about privilege, and it was a privilege, even though they didn't understand it, for your teammates to not have to think about everything that you described. For an athlete that, you know, isn't out right now, but is contemplating it, is there a tangible benefit to their performance if they were able to be, as you say, free and not holding back?
0: Of course, I believe, I mean, especially when you get to a certain level of sports beyond maybe just fun or beyond like on um, the high school level or whatever it is, the difference um, between athletes and between teams is so small. I mean, everyone's, everyone has talent at some point, you know, everyone's got the X's and O's, you know, it's about the Jimmys and Joes, as they say. Uh, and to just be able to focus 100% on the game and on that moment, I think is a huge thing. Sports is all about mental preparation also just awareness being able to adjust on the go all of this mental space and whether you realize it or not when you are hiding or contemplating or whatever it is going through through your own discovering your own journey with your sexuality that's taking up mental space it might even be causing mental fatigue and those are the split seconds that you know change um missed opportunities into touchdowns changed uh, bad get-offs into sacks you know what? whatever it is so I, you don't really notice it while you're in it. And especially when you keep achieving, you know, I got drafted. I played in the NFL. I'm thinking in my mind, I'm killing it. You know, I'm doing good. But you don't really understand, oh, but if this wasn't weighing me down or if I wasn't thinking about this or conscious about this, I could be doing so much better. And it's it's easy to see once you're out of it. You're like, duh. Uh, but while you're in it, yeah, it, it's hard. <laughs> it's, it's really hard to see that.
2: Growing up as an athlete and I'm a retired player myself, and, and I know how much of a role – coaches played in my life and, you know, not necessarily having, you know, strong father figures and in, in all throughout my life, but, um, I don't know much that meant. How much do you think that mean, meant to you or, or, um, means to athletes uh, going through similar situations you might've.
0: Yeah. My coaches, I mean, honestly, my, my coaches were my male role models growing up. I, my biological father wasn't in my life. I had a stepfather who raised me until I was six and then he passed away in a motorcycle accident. So, Coaches were were like my first interactions with like male figures and, and male role models, um, in that sense. And I've met some amazing coaches, some people that showed me what it meant to be a man in all the right senses, um, what responsibility, integrity, you know, what what all these things, sacrifice, even in a sense, um, hard work, determination, and they, it was awesome because you know you you spend especially at a young age you you spend only so many hours with these people, and the fact that they can teach you lessons that you will hold um, for the rest of your life. And that shape you is, is very pos- powerful. Um, so I I mean, I still reach out to my high school coach now, all of my college coaches. I mean, the the bond between coach and, and player is, it's irreplaceable, it, it's amazing.
1: The role is really, as a role model, did you growing up have any mm-hmm. role models from the LGBTQ plus community that you could look to?
0: not necessarily um especially when i was growing up i wasn't really looking i think this is where my story gets a bit unique well it is a unique story but it 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 varies a lot because also being bisexual you know i had girlfriends growing up and i i wasn't even aware of my sexuality till college so i wasn't even really looking for an lgbtq role model because i didn't identify that way um at those moments uh i i was just i was looking up to like um uh the baltimore ravens defense and ray lewis and Reed, you know i was watching old clips of like reggie white and i was seeing michael strahan and and all those guys and i was you know i was very focused on that because that's what my world had encompassed then of course you go to college and, and like everyone you start to find out you know hey i have certain interests or you find out things about yourself personality traits whatever it is um and then your scope kind of broadens and i think once i started kind of coming into my own and realizing uh I think it was like, then a year later, Michael Sam came out and I was like, okay, that's when I first even start to think about how does my sexuality coincide with my dreams of my career of being a professional athlete. And uh, that's when those bigger conversations and, and moments kind of came up for me.
1: You said before that, you know, you started to write stories that you wish you heard as a child. Are we starting to see more of those stories and, and for people listening who want to provide them for their children. If so, where can we find them?
0: Yeah, we're definitely seeing a lot of those stories. Um I even saw something online the other day about Hulu coming out with um, a documentary, a docu-series with Jason Collins, the first NBA player to come out as openly gay. And I know Jason now he, he's a good friend of mine. And, and there were so many similarities in our stories when we sat down, even in being different sports, you know, and it was amazing just to sit down and actually feel um, seen and welcomed and, and kind of just validated through someone else's experience and also knowing that visibility creates space. Every time an athlete comes out, um, they create space for other athletes to do the same or to just feel more comfortable being themselves in that environment. Uh, there are great organizations um, out sports. I've just started working on Athlete Ally. Um, and, and you're looking into... Into the community when you're actively seeking the stories are there, you know, they're coming. We're working to amplify them now, but they're already out there. There are so many athletes, um, doing the work, whether it be trans athletes, gay athletes, queer, bisexual, lesbian, um, women's sports, also is a great example. Honestly, I mean, women have always kind of been, in my opinion, on the cutting edge, on the cusp, and pushing and challenging the status quo. Um, I think women are just such leaders in that way naturally um so if you look at women's sports you can also see all these great examples of inclusion um within the sport and how the sport actually supports each its own players and other um, organizations
1: still there's work that needs to be done we saw recently you know two black trans women were killed in a 24-hour period we know that youth that are part of the lgbt the plus community are three times more likely to attempt uh, suicide on their own lives. And, and there's a long list of terrible statistics. What can we do to change and curb some of those statistics?
0: I definitely think it starts with educating, educating ourselves on where, like you said, what the statistics are, where they lie, what maybe systemically is happening to, inc- to um, worsen those situations, those circumstances, and then how we can help. Um, when it comes to LGBTQ plus youth and crisis prevention and suicide prevention, the Trevor Project, you know, I've just started um, working with them and and connecting with them and they've done a lot of great work in that space. People kind of see when you start first starting researching, even my mother, when I came out and we started um, talking about and she started researching, it was overwhelming. There are a lot of horrifying statistics and stories and you can kind of get paralyzed by that, but we need to just move in the right direction. We need to educate ourselves what are the issues how can we help is it is it something like voting like being more involved in your local government and and into in the overall politics um is it something like donating to organizations like the trevor project organizations like uh the human rights campaign um is it is it sharing your story you know being more vocal supporting someone you know personally maybe you know an lgbtq um plus person in your life or in your neighborhood. Is it asking them, hey, do you need to talk? Is there anything you need? You know, whatever that be. There are so many ways we can help. There are so many horrible statistics, but there are also just as many, if not more ways that we can help and we can combat these issues.
1: Your experience being bisexual, I've heard before that coming out is like a layered continual process where you're coming out over and over again. But for you, was that experience different because in some ways, some things were the same? Did you have to have a big coming out, if you will?
0: I think for me, it was, it's different for a few reasons. I feel also like when people come out, um, you know, you come out to your family and friends, uh, you come out maybe at work if you feel so inclined or or on social media nowadays. And, And like you said, you might encounter people and meet people and as you're introducing yourself, you feel inclined to tell them, uh with the big public way that I did come out, I think it knocked out a lot of the having to agree and continually come out. Um, but certain situations I feel like call for also certain conversations Of course I would tell my mother before I would tell you know like um a friend or maybe even social media and and you have these I mean you have these conversations and each one is tailored differently also due to your relationship with this person or the situation uh I also am a firm believer in not feeling forced to come out. I feel like once I told everyone in my circle and everyone personally, um, I was good. You know, I was like, I'm good for a while. Everyone that knows me personally and that I care about knows and loves me and accepts me and I'll move forward as I need to. Uh, but coming out, it's, it's so crazy. I, I, I came out less than a year ago and I think I've had to clarify or come out maybe once i do more clarifying on bisexual i feel like a lot of people see here coming out and they think immediately um gay so i think that's the most that i run into right now is having to clarify about bisexuality and it might seem kind of like nitpicky or whatever but it's important because there are people who identify as bisexual who um need that validation and that visibility and i I mean, the first time I ever talked about even thinking I was bisexual, the response I got was, oh, well, you're you're actually gay, but you're transitioning. And that rhetoric and that dialogue can be very harmful to young bisexual people. So I at first I kind of felt weird about it, but I was like, no, it's important to clarify and it's important to create that space for people and that visibility for people.
1: Yeah, language matters, words matter. So I appreciate you educating us on the vocabulary that, goes a long way the word that i want to finish this off with is pride right what we're all talking about that word to you in this moment what does it mean
0: Pride to me in this moment means just valuing yourself and your self-worth and your self-love and your self-image over everything i mean and doing that for other people as well seeing them as who they are fully and honestly and loving them and accepting them and celebrating them pride is is a celebration it's it's joy is one of the greatest protests that we can have you know to see that you are living a life that you love that you are embracing yourself um and uplifting celebrating yourself above all circumstance above all of the darkness or all of the 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 fear is a protest in and of itself so for me right now that's that's what pride stands for it's it's about uplifting who we are and and celebrating that
1: well before we let you go where can people find you where can people See you, and where can people connect and be allies for you?
0: Definitely. I have um, an Instagram and a Twitter, both under the same username, at RK Relentless. I have a website where it kind of gives updates on things that I'm writing, things that I'm doing. Um, all of that's rkrelentless.com. I have a YouTube channel with my boyfriend uh, under the name Cory and Russ. So, those are all the places. If you see a Facebook or anything else of me, it's not me, reported as spam it's not me i'm on instagram twitter my website and youtube
1: well appreciate that we appreciate this conversation and we want it to be a sustained conversation so let's do this again in the future
0: definitely i would love that thank you so much for having me
1: so great to catch up to ryan russell who you know was entertaining to watch and now enlightening to hear from i would love to see russ on the field playing football again when football is played again albeit in the nfl or even i'd love for him to bring his message what he stands for here to canada in the cfl well that's just selfish of me speaking of the cfl as we're giving props to people we have to shout out one chris cuthbert who went from a podcast guest of mine davis to now a teammate of mine as he leaves the CFL on TSN and the TSN family and Bell to come over to Rogers and Sportsnet um, right after he was on our podcast. Yeah, I felt
2: like he might have been holding on to some inside information, Deej, and I was uh, was the odd man out not knowing what was going
1: on. Is there any truth to that? No. Listen, I did not recruit him. Uh, If anything, I'm just happy our conversation. Conversation didn't dissuade him from coming over sports <laughs> Sportsnet. But you no, know, a couple podcasts ago we talked to Nate, we talked to Nate and, and Orlando Bowen last week about injustice and activism. Before that, we talked to Enoch Mwamba about the growing tensions as we have some societal change. And before that we talked to Chris Cuthbert about his top calls. So make sure you're continuing to listen, favorite, subscribe, share, but go through. If you want to hear Cuthbert talk about football maybe for the last time in a long time you're going to have to do it on the waggle that was an exclusive he talked about his great career and he talked about it with us do you, who do you want to see um potentially replace him in the booth well big shoes
2: to fill uh, certainly and i'm sure that over at tsn they're trying to figure out there's some good people in house that uh that will step up the one name that i think is has got to be mentioned uh as a candidate, it's got to be Frank Zicarelli. Okay. I gotta think you gotta put Zick in the mix. Uh, I'd love to see Glenn Suter and Zick in the booth together. What do you think? No. no Suter and Zick no, in the booth no, together. No. I mean,
1: so- it, <laughs> well then I'm all I'm all out of options, DJ. In the industry, we have what's called a two-second delay, <laughs> right? Just to keep everything clean. The the broadcast, the entire broadcast would be on delay. Uh, you know what? Um. I, he has a job it's a very good job um but i don't care i'm gonna i'm gonna keep for this to happen even though uh it's a pie in the sky i'd love to see the leader our, our friends at tsn go get Derek taylor and bring him home i'd love to see dt giving you some stats in the booth um and you could you could pair him with glenn and it could be like a you know the the riders pairing i'm sure other western teams would, would feel they might be hard done by but I actually would love to see Derek, who called a couple games when he was still at TSN. Um, I'd love to see him get a shot. Certainly a role. Certainly a role somewhere in the building for
2: that uh, Derek Taylor could be an asset. No doubt about it. Hey, if it
1: happens, TT, just hit me off with a cool 2%, my guy. It's a finder's fee. I appreciate that. Uh, One thing Cuthbert had the knack of doing was illuminating and hyping up a great catch it it was one of his staples something i'm gonna miss and actually to that end because we were all craving for some football cfl.ca we've got catch madness and what is that you ask thanks to our friends at timbermark we have a bracket basically it's like march madness but it's catches 2015 to 2020 is the time frame we break down all of the best catches and we even have them broken down by style like the how question mark catch like what wait a minute how did he actually catch that contested catches which are difficult the leaping diving catch which some guys let's be honest they're just leaping and diving to make the catch look better and then the one handed catch which to me as someone with small hands is the most difficult uh this week we have sj green and darvin adams going head-to-head in the one-handed division or conference or bracket um i think there's actually an sj green catch that is not that one that is better and i think you know the one i'm talking about the back of the end zone on the on canada day i believe It, it, it was the first week of the season Chad Owens has, has a crazy one-handed catch in the Labor Day Classic that I think needs to get some more love. Do you have one that was caught on you? that what The one that was on your head that you remember?
2: Good, That's a good one. Uh... Or have
1: you, uh, have you deleted it from your mind?
2: <laughs> no, I've definitely been lost before, but I I can't think of any off, off the top. Uh, another one that was great was the, I believe it was Mike Jones going across Who? the middle. And... Yeah, you got it. Mike Jones. Uh, and uh, he got stuck. Somebody threw a dart. I think it might have been Zach in Hamilton. But someone threw, or maybe it was Jeremiah, but someone threw a dart. And it just stuck underneath his rib and under his elbow. He didn't even see it coming. That's uh, that's one of my favorite ones as well. But
1: we got some catches. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to see who ends up winning. If you want to determine who wins, Go and vote now. You you can see them broken down on our Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook accounts. The championship will take place uh, later this summer. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. first three rounds um, already underway. Uh, this has been fun. This has actually been uh, a, nice to talk a little bit of football, not exactly the same, but also talk about some topics that really, really matter. Uh, thanks for this, D. Frank Ziccarelli, 2021. Oh, no. No, please no.
0: The Wag, presented by Sport Clips, the official podcast of the Canadian Football League.